a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, we got the honor to sit down with Jenny Rivers. She is a body worker and energy worker. She's into womb yoga therapy, which is pretty cool. Uh, we talk a lot on this episode, guys. We get real deep into the cyclical nature of reality around us in nature, in everything. And it's a wonderful conversation, guys. She is absolutely remarkable. Y'all will love this. So I've uh, Check uh, the show notes for all the ways to find her uh, and also all the ways to find us. So without any further ado, guys, let's just get right to this amazing conversation. Uh, Help me in welcoming Jenny Rivers. All right, everybody, a very special episode. We have Jenny Rivers on with us to hang out, talk about all the awesome things. She is very cool. We met on Union of the Unwanted when they did the spiritual show. That was really cool. And that was a great opportunity to see everybody in a little bit different light in that environment, right, under that name. So I I just was incredibly impressed by what you said. So I wanted to get more uh, out of you. I wanted to find out more about you. So I invited you on the show. Here you are. So if you don't mind for my audience that doesn't know you yet, do you mind just telling us just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. And thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, And for those of you who don't know who I am, I am um, mainly a body worker, energy worker. And then over the last uh, couple of years, been doing more with mentoring women in helping them understand their menstrual cycles. So I kind of use the menstrual cycle as a map to explore um, your own journey. So I, I kind of talk about the feminine archetypes and just the importance of understanding our cyclical nature, um, especially as women, but this has kind of grown over the last um, several months into recognizing the importance for everyone to understand um, cyclical wisdom and our cyclical nature, whether you bleed or don't bleed or whether you're a man or, or, or anyone, so. Yeah, and the cycles are fascinating because you see these in nature all the time. We correlate these to all sorts of things. We, you know, uh, monitor our existence by them in the shape of our calendars and all of those things. So cycles are incredibly important. And I think on a deep spiritual level as well, they they resonate with all of us because you go through these peaks and valleys with either your religion or your spiritual awakening or however that presents itself in your life. But there are cycles in ways. And you, even in, let's say, if you go crazy with the manifestation process, process, then you'll see things kind of pop up for you to deal with them again, or you'll be able to kind of predict cycles or alter them or shift the current of your life in a certain way. But all of it does work in that way. Uh, so the these types of elements, whenever you apply things like the concepts of circles and cycles and mapping time and then being able to expect these things again and use them to your own benefit or at least be able to walk into these things with a little bit better of an understanding that they're just a repeat of everything else, right? 
point. So what what brought you to that correlation? How did you connect the two? Well, I've always been um, I've always been really interested in in like our natural processes of being being alive and being human. Um, but I, I would say it really kicked off for me probably about six years ago when I I started, um, I wanted a deeper understanding of astrology. And so I I was kind of like, I, I had a general understanding of the different signs and what they all kind of represented. Um, but I, I wanted I wanted it to come from me. I wanted it to come from my own understanding versus like reading what someone else's interpretation was. So I started just noticing what sign, what zodiac sign or what constellation the moon was in. And so I would write this in my calendar and I would just kind of start to notice. And it was kind of like, I don't know, like I didn't really notice much until um, uh, one day I, I went uh, I was at work and I went to the bathroom and you said I could talk about anything. So I might get a little graphic here. Be you. It's, <laughs> a, it's all good. Be you. And thank you for the heads all up. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, I started bleeding. I started my cycle and I went back to my calendar and I noticed that the moon was in the exact position it was in when I was born. And I was like, wait a second, does this happen every month? And I'm just now like noticing it or what's that about? And so now looking back, I can kind of see this as like a synchronicity for, you know, the universe telling me to look deeper into this and kind of explore what this meant. Um, and uh, probably around that time, I, I uh, found the work of Alexander Pope, who's one of my like foundational teachers in understanding menstruality, which is like, you know, kind of uh, changing our perspective of what the menstrual cycle is. And uh, she talked about these different seasons, these four seasons, we can talk about them like these inner seasons that women go through every month of their cycling years. And um, it just completely changed everything uh, in terms of how I think about myself. And going back to like what you were saying earlier is I think that there's like a an expectation that that there shouldn't be ebbs and flows, that it's really healthy to be stable. Um, but I, that's just not, unfortunately, you know, that might be more convenient for modern living to have more stability in terms of our emotions, in terms of our motivation or our energy levels, but that's just not how we are. You know, we do have those ebbs and flows. And so, uh, changing that perspective has brought so much more self-acceptance and, um, self-love into my life as well, because like when I do have those dips in energy or I'm not as creative or motivated to work, I understand that this is just part of the cycle and that things will change. And maybe this is a time to rest because that's incredibly important to uh, nourish ourselves and give us, give us the rest that we need in order to um, fuel ourselves for when those creative times come back. Absolutely. Like you, you nailed this thing. You, you said it perfectly. Uh, and back to what you said about the, the menstruation stuff. Um, yes, uh, it's a little, you know, dude, I'm kind of, you know, whatever. But I will say this. I, I encourage everybody to just be as authentic as possible because what we're all doing here in expanding our reality together is figuring out the universe and figuring out, you know, what's going on and what's possible and talking about those ideas. Now, uh, part of being part of that being as authentic as possible is, is if you guys are as authentic as possible. 
because it's all important. It's all part of the story. So even this, uh, the season thing, I think that this is very helpful. This is interesting. I'm learning something. And I think that whenever you say, oh, this might be gross or whatever, you know, usually it's because we don't know enough about it. So if you're informing us on more things about it, all we have to do is have that little bit of inquisitiveness to go, you know what, let's, let's hear her out on this. And, and I've got a great audience and everybody's very interested in what you're saying right now. So I'm going to get the hell out of your way. But I go, uh, if you don't mind, ex- extrapolate on that a little bit, because I find that your observation with yourself, again, because you were able to be so honest with yourself, uh, is why you've come up with this great idea about this particular topic. So if you don't mind, just continue on that. That's brilliant. Yeah, well, I love the idea, too, of, of taboos kind of being guardians into a deeper level of, of understanding and of, yeah, deeper levels of awareness. And so, you know, obviously menstruation is a huge taboo and most people are like, yeah, get away. I don't I don't want to go there. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear about it. And for someone like me, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> let's go see. And I think, you know, there are some taboos that are maybe supposed to be there, but I think a lot of taboos are really like, um, like I like this idea of like these guardians of thresholds. Yes. Um, you know, we find them in nature with like, with, you know, when we go into wild spaces, we find poison ivy and um, nettles, stinging nettles, and there's ticks. And you don't find them deep in the forest. You find them just at the edges. You, you find them there to keep out those who aren't ready to kind of go deeper. And so um, I like to think of menstruation as a like a guardian of, of deeper wisdom and understanding um, for, for, all, for all genders, for all walks of life. I mean, if you know a woman, this is relevant because uh, it will help you understand uh, her ebbs and flows, whether that's your mother, your sister, your wife or, or girlfriend or whoever, or someone you work with, you know? Um, so, so yeah, uh, I, I, you know, as I've, as I've explored this work, I've, I've been able to see that, you know, cycles are what time does. So as time unfolds, it's impossible to not exist in a cycle. Even things that are artificially made follow this cyclical pattern of like something kind of is in this void or it's dreamed, like it's an idea first, but it kind of comes out of nothingness. So like there's a, there's a void, there's a nothingness in which something is, is dreamed. And then there's like this seed and then there's a, a germination as it starts to grow. And then it's emerged, it crosses like a, a threshold in which it's birthed. And then um, it kind of has this peak experience. Like I like to use the, the metaphor of, of a plant because it's so like obvious, you know, so, so as a plant will grow and and blossom or, or bear fruit, that's kind of like the peak experience of that plant's existence. And then after that, there's like this natural decay and death process. And then the seed that was, it was in the ground and now it's out and now it's a new seed and now falls back into the soil and returns back to source and uh, starts all over again. So you can look at literally everything, anything in your room, anything in your room, anything in your life, even like an activity, like uh, going to the grocery store, like it all exists as this like idea. And then there's like driving to the store or walking to the store and then like doing your thing there and then walking back home and then it's over. Um, So yeah, it's, it's so simple, but I think it's so like, because it's so obvious, we, we tend to overlook it. 
Absolutely. And uh, what you what you said about whenever things go through these these cycles and we can kind of expect them, this is this is kind of the idea that lends itself to like the simulation argument or something like that, how scripted it is, how predictable it is, but also how we kind of even on long historical stretches kind of get amnesia to it. You know, we kind of like mm. people will be out there saying, yes, this is what's happening because it's happened before. Look, here are all the signs and people still ignore it. And and there's no like wisdom in that, which is interesting why things kind of constantly pop up. They talk about this karmaic cycle as well. Even the, like you said, the life and death cycle. And I love how you point out the four part progression on that, the death, uh, the growth, the peak experience, the release and the decay. And all of that is exactly scripted out in a million different ways, scripted out over billions of different combinations of cycles. And what I find so interesting is how people will find cycles that have to do with like bees in Ireland and how they affect polar bears somewhere. It's mm. it's insane these like ripple effects that people talk about and especially the ripple effects of the connectivity of human beings. Whenever you do something kind, you know, that translates. When you do something shitty to somebody, that also translates. It can, depending on the individual, as long as they don't filter it as something negative, right? But a lot of these things propagate out. And it's it's these mini whirlpools in time that I'm very fascinated with as far as even things like the moon, like uh, menstrual cycles, like things like things like this are very interesting to me, like how uh, bears go through their cycle every year and hibernation and all of these things, like all of it's found in nature. And so what do you think is the greatest lesson or takeaway from the observation of this natural wonder around us? Hmm. Um, recently, I've been really liking the metaphor of uh, this idea of a living matrix. And it's kind of like similar to what you're saying with like the simulation, which like this kind of like this, you know, I can think about it in terms of this kind of 3D plane that has all these grid marks or like I see kind of Indra's net, if you're familiar with that, like Buddhist concept of like what you were saying, you know, all these jewels and everyone reflects everyone else and it's all interconnected. Um, but recently I've really liked this idea because waves are like frequencies, like, you know, they go up and down and everything has this frequency of thinking about it like a, um, like a symphony, like there's this, there's this glorious, like infinite symphony that's playing. And, um, there's, you know, all these moving parts, all these different instruments or different like uh, sections within an orchestra and they all have their own part. Um, and when when everything's harmonized it, you know, you're not playing the same thing and you might not be overlapped overlapping but when you kind of can step away and listen to the whole thing that's when you kind of recognize the beauty of this song that's being played um and it's impossible to kind of know like i like to think about like you know if something's going wrong in your life you might feel like oh like why me or something's wrong um but you know there's no way for us to <laughs> because our lives are so short and our perspective is only like from this one individual being right, right here, right now, um, you know, it's impossible to hear the whole symphony that's going on. Like we don't know what was playing before we were here. We don't, I mean, we know a little bit, but, and what's going to come after it. Um, so there's this like, there's a deeper, deeper level of trust in, in the universe that, uh, when we start to harmonize with this living matrix or like the the infinite symphony that's playing, um, so many amazing things start to shift and happen for us as human beings. Damn, you're cool. I, I'm so glad we're doing this. You're amazing. 
Uh, oh, thanks. It's just the the wisdom is so cool, and I love back to I I also just keep I keep getting flashes of what you said about taboos being kind of like the the guardians. I love that metaphor because we say this with uh, things like uh, like I always talk about how on TV anything that they talk about in the news or whatever uh, is an inversion of reality. So it's like the opposite. So that's like your your metaphor for it being a guardian. It's kind of that's perfect. Because you're like yeah, it's uh, if you if they tell you not to, then that's probably what you should be doing, or you should investigate that further. Um, exactly. And, and what I like to visualize uh, cycles as being is like a spiral, you know, and so we constantly think of this spiral thing to where you kind of, if you if you picture like a, a, a circle from the top, it would look like a, like just a cycle going through and then you have like four different environments on it. But as you go through those different environments, you're also raising in frequency, raising in understanding mm-hmm. and consciousness. So you'll, you'll repeat through the same environments that are fixed on the outside. And those may be great times, so-so times, shit times and getting better times, right? And you kind of go through those. And what's interesting also about that is I've heard of it referred to that, you know, enlightenment and stuff isn't like a vertical line or it's not like an upward progression. It is more of a cycle or a spiral because the tough times at the top, um, it would be represented at the bottom of the wheel rather if we're doing this visually. So tough times would be represented at the bottom, good times at the top, and you go through them cyclically. Mm-hmm. So the good times prepare you for the shitty times at the bottom. The bottom times remind you to be in the moment and be present. Enjoy those top times of the cycle. And you constantly repeat these actions. But the dynamics are what change and you're what changes. That's what that elevation in consciousness allows is this progression through these cycles that enables us to view it differently and to approach these similar challenges with new understanding. Do you think there's much to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this every time, you know, something painful from my past comes back up into my life where I'm like, oh, I thought I healed this. So I thought I was over this. Or I thought I like worked through this. But, you know, it's like layers of an onion. And like you said, like it's like this spiral that keeps going. And and I don't think, you know, healing or or this like self-discovery or um, uh, understanding ourselves is like there isn't an end point to it. Like it is an unfolding and it is is, it is a cycle and it will come back and there's going to be, you know, you need this new, every time it comes back, it's like, that's yourself telling you that you're in a different place now than you were before when you've dealt with this. And now you have different tools and different understanding and let's look at it now and see like what, what changes now instead of like, you know, being hard on yourself or, or, or um, saying like, you know, that I'm not good enough or, or that I need to do more or whatever. It's just, be more gentle and and recognizing that uh, you know this is a good thing. This is a good thing that it's coming back up because it means you've grown and that it's time. The now it now is the time to revisit it. Yeah, beautifully said. And as humans, I think that we constantly want to figure figure out you know the great mysteries like what happens after we die. And I think that model of past lives and um, karma and you know. Um, all of that reincarnation that may come from our observation of the natural world around us and us trying to explain things that we don't understand or that we can't really comprehend contextually. We try to contextualize those things by anthropomorphizing the cycles around us and seeing them in a way where we can look out to it and project. I think that this is where we get the idea of the as above, so below thing. And I think that whenever you talk about cycles, I get I get this image lately of that this entire existence, all this is. And I, I've kind of come to this 
over, you know, just looking around at it, looking at how people have the two totally different experiences in the exact same area, you know, and, and physical, like people see different things. You think of UFO phenomena, right? Someone will be, st- two people standing there, one of them sees it clear as day, the other does not. What What is that all about, right? Well, when you, when you play this out over like a long period of time, then you could, the image back to that is that I get, like whenever you look out, what you're really looking at is the submolecular level of another you, which is you because that's all there is when you look in on a submolecular level it's you zoom in far enough you're going to get to our solar system and then there you are on that little ball and then it's you looking at yourself so it's this constant fractal type of a thing Mm. and it works on this scale to where it's insurmountable but it's also like everything is here there's nothing else there's there's nowhere else to go and so what you have here but then then you run into the philosophical ideas of like well what is it all about you know what's this for so uh let's go there what what's this for what's this all about hmm and you don't have to plant your flag i'll I'll say that as a caveat you can just tell us your favorite idea you know or one you're playing around with yeah well i mean i think Right now, what seems most relevant is is just recognizing exactly what you just said, that we we are the universe kind of, you know, experiencing itself. And it wants to have these experiences. It wants to experience everything. And so that's why there's so many of us and so many different forms of life and consciousness is the universe is like really... Um, excited (laughs) to have that experience and um yeah i I think that i think that that's kind of pretty much sums up my answer is that that's at least how i feel like i feel like i want to experience it all um and uh there's so much to be learned from so many experiences whether they're positive or pleasurable or or painful i mean i think even sometimes where i'm like looking at choices that i've made i'm like wow i think like there's part of me that wants to experience that pain experience that that depth of feeling and so i'll like craft this like drama um and so you know in one in one part it's like the drama can be so fun because, you know, even if it's like painful or we're going through it and we, we, we on the surface say, I don't want to experience this. I think there's a part of us that de- desperately longs to have an experience in order to like communicate that to the whole. Um, but then simultaneously, there's something else that's going on that's like the observer, you know, that's just like observing it all and is completely unaffected by any of that and isn't part of the drama and is just neutral, you know, Um yeah, the one watching the movie. Like you're you're the character in the movie, you just don't know it, right? Like the Truman show kind of. Um and then the observer is the you just sitting back there with popcorn going, "Oh, this is pretty cool." It it's a mind-blowing idea. Like all of this stuff is just crazy to me whenever you get really really deep into it. Um so uh what what's your thought on the artifacts of this matrix, on things that are inexplicable? Uh let's just for example like Bigfoot or UFOs or paranormal. There, there are a lot of, even like deja vu or Mandela effect, there are a lot of interesting artifacts that play out in this arena. Um, what is your thought on if they're, if they're real or not? And if they are real in your mind or there's something to it, what role do you think that they play here? Hmm. I think there, I, I like to think that we have much more uh, power over what it is that we perceive in our environment. And that's, 
probably like somewhat we are creating it because we want to we want to color our experience we want to color uh we don't want to limit ourselves in terms of what's possible because i think there's a truth in that there are unlimited possibilities in terms of what we can experience and what's out there and so you know something like bigfoot i don't know that i necessarily feel like that's a thing but it's 100 real in that we've created it yeah and yes. uh I, I would like believe someone if they're saying like you know i saw it um but i think it's something you know i think it's something deeper that we have so much more i don't want to say control but we have so much more influence on what shows up for us as humans and that uh we can we can not and i don't like to even use the term like imagine it because our imagination is is actually creating it like in in the real world like in a very literal sense um so yeah, I don't like to limit. Uh, I like that term, like the artifacts, you know. Yeah, it it it's just a way that I refer to it because it kind of leaves open all opportunities for explanation, right? At that point, it's either a dimensional kind of thing if it is something physical, but or it's you know um, a product of the matrix, you know, like the ability to influence this area in a way that keeps us kind of on our toes, and it's another kind of method of distraction for those that aren't easily distracted. So it's kind of like levels of things to keep our attention here. Maybe, you know, is one possible opportunity. You have the bread and circus people, you know, and it's 90 whatever percent of people. And we know who we're talking about, but there's other folks out there like, like you and I consider myself in that bracket that question these things on a deep level, like what the fuck is going on here? And, and then it'll give you, you'll get to a point where you're comfortable, you know, and you're like, yeah, this is, this is awesome, but you're still very open, you know, that vulnerable state of awareness, right? But then you, you then maybe that's a thing. Like that's something that either you do from your subconscious to kind of keep something interesting and so mysterious that it keeps your attention and keeps you excited. I like what you said about the excitement, um, because that's, that's something that I choose to go into the future with, because that's how I feel about it. I'm like, I'm excited about it. All this bullshit going on. I think there's a lot to what you said too. You kind of just kicked right over it but it is a deep thing that i really believe that what you perceive and those things out there are only out there as options they're not directly affecting you and influencing you again great word uh unless you allow them to so and, and i think that this happens on a very metaphysical level that translates to a physical level because you're all that's here you're all that's experiencing this um we're just talking to ourselves here you know so but but it's a cool thing to experience and it's it being a way that this operates, I think is wonderful because all the scary shit doesn't have to be here. That's just something that's here. And it was either created at the time we were created to have this game or experience, or it's just been a, a shitty way that these lizard people have done it for a little while. And, and I feel like the tides are switching on that. I think that a lot of people are waking up if you want to use that term with it. Do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, um, I I was listening to an audiobook the other day, and I wish I could remember who the author was referencing when she was talking about um, this I, this concept of of demons or or demons. And this person had this idea that every soul or every person is born with a demon that's attached to it, and so this demon's job is kind of like the trickster archetype, and so it's there to um, challenge us and deter us away from our life's or our soul's purpose. Um, but it it's not just there 
like the deterring and the challenging and the tricking is also there for our self-actualization. Yeah. So you have to have that. You have to have that like that challenge or that thing that makes you question it in order to fully actualize. And so you cannot have the actualization without the demon, without the trickster there to kind of challenge you. And I just, I really like that as a concept uh, with kind of like what you were saying too. I love that as a concept. And I think that that metaphor of the, you know, in cartoons where you have the angel and the devil on your shoulder, I think that's like the metaphor for it, right? Because that caricature is always the face of the person with their little devil and angel side. It's right. It's them as those entities. And I think there's a lot to this. I just want to brag on the spiritual community for a little bit of the alternate idea community, because we really embrace the scary side of shit. We're really okay with there's that there's so much dichotomy here that it's dark light. It's just what has to exist. Not only are we okay of its presence, but we also have reverence for it because we understand that it's such a great motivator in the process. It's just a really cool thing kind of that we're all willing to admit that it's not only part of it, but a beneficial and necessary part of it. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this kind of uh, dovetails really nicely into exploring cyclical wisdom deeper if you want to go there because oh yes let's um, fucking go there jenny let's do this shit all right um because there are these two forces there's and we know them we know them as the yin and the yang the yes and the no the masculine and feminine you know it's a basic premise of duality which is like present in every religion every philosophy you know has this maybe not every philosophy like there might be like you know there's nothing or i don't know but uh pretty much everything has these like these polarities um and so when we look at a cycle it's it's those two forces those are the two forces those are the angel and the devil that are sitting on our shoulders that are making time happen um and so we can look at these two forces as kind of the the basic operating system of a cycle. And then there's like those four phases, like I mentioned before. Um, And I'd like to go into more specifically what those four phases are so that people can start to recognize those phases within themselves. So um, the first one we'll start with is, is um, the, the darkness. Or we'll go back to our seed metaphor, because I think that's really easy. That's when the seed is buried deep within the soil. And the seed doesn't need light at that time. The seed needs darkness and just stillness. Um, So when we look at seasonally, this would be the winter time. This is when, you know, there's just, there's stillness. Nothing's really going on out in nature. And that, that quiet time, that still time is absolutely necessary for the rest of this stages to happen. So uh, when we look at the lunar cycle, this is the dark moon or the new moon when, when it's, it's there, but we don't see it. There's no light illuminating uh, the moon in the sky. Um, for a woman's cycle, this is when she's bleeding. This is the time when she should really be still, when she should be quiet, when she shouldn't be doing, when she should be completely focused on herself and completely uh, focused inward. And so I like to think of this phase as when we're most connected to spirit, when we're most connected to source and the void, and also when we're most able to kind of hear messages from that living matrix. Um, because you know, when we're speaking, when we're doing, we're not listening and we're not receiving. 
And so like this is the ultimate yin space in which we're receptive, when which like our bodies tune into uh, turn into these tuning forks in which we can receive um, insight and guidance um, from ourselves. And I also like to talk about rite of passage uh, because I think that's really important as human beings to recognize these significant markers in our lives. Um, so this phase would be marked by death and also birth. So it's kind of like it, it holds both because when we when we die, we enter into it and we're born, we kind of like exit out of it. So it's kind of like that uh, that uh, liminal space between these two states of being. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts on on that stage? I think this is like you know one of the uh, one of the most misunderstood elements of of our existence and what um, what it means to to exist is like that period of doing nothing because we see that as like you know not good for whatever reason. I, I love what you said because I'm I'm very guilty of this and I've said this quite a bit that I just and I jokingly say that I just discovered this thing called self care right and I think that that's kind of the idea is like you need those little moments just to shut down be quiet dude just hang out now I I do this intentionally in in small ways for myself like I mowed this pattern back here and I go walk in it barefoot and ground every night with the dogs I'm very present and what you said about the symphony I think that every night when I walk out there because we're fortunate enough to live out in the country we're you know it's pretty quiet out here and by quiet i mean people quiet so but the nature has a symphony going on around us all the time out here and it's one of the coolest damn things especially when the cicadas kick up and they're all going off and they uh anyway um so that that element of it is something that i do practice quite a bit but the shutting down of it is something that i don't think people focus on and and People definitely don't see winter as that. As you were explaining it, it made more sense than anything, but I don't think it's something that I would have come to on my own had you not have said something about it. So it's one of those things that, yes, it absolutely makes sense. So that's brilliant. I really like it. Yeah. And this is also like the nighttime of the cycle, too. So, you know, you just went right to like, yeah, when I'm at when I'm at, you know, walking at night and it's absolutely true. Like if, if you think about it, like, I don't know, things just change when the sun goes down. Like we're, my brain definitely changes. My consciousness changes. I feel more connected to spirit at night than I do during the day. Maybe that's not true for everyone, but I think there is something about like when the outer world is dark, the inner world illuminates. Interesting. Yes, this perspective is perfect and it's very, very deep. And people have done studies on this and it's your, having to do with your circadian rhythm, photons, you're your being exposed to the natural cycles of your environment. And whenever you isolate from those and they put them like in caves and shit, and whenever you isolate from those, it throws you all off. Like you don't sleep, every, your metabolism goes to shit. Uh, all sorts of things are interrupted in your, in your normal, in your ability to function normally. So these cycles are very necessary and important. And this is why doing little things as reminders of those, like little rituals, you know, these people who are a little bit like OCD with stuff, well, that's okay. You know, it's a, it's a cycle for you. It's a balance point. It's a touch point for your baseline and, and things like that are wonderful thing, you know, and one, one of the biggest probably cycles that people don't talk about is just another, it's wrapped up in the word habit. And so you have these habits of things that are truly just cycles and psychological things that you've chosen to participate in rather whether it be consciously or unconsciously. And it's just interesting how much these 
seeming habits and cycles affect our lives. But also, you can break these cycles and change any of this shit at any time. That's the best thing about it, is that you can hop to a new spiral anytime you want. You're still going to be elevating in consciousness. And perhaps the reason you chose to switch to a new spiral is due to your elevation in consciousness. You know, you wise up a little bit and you want to experience something else. Um, so... I love your metaphors on this. This makes the most sense to me. Again, I, I just think this is brilliant. So um, what does the uh, fall and spring have to do? Are these just preparatory um, for the next seasons? Yeah, well, it's interesting because the, the winter and summer kind of mirror one another because they're opposite ends of the spectrum. One's like the the, the beginning and one's like the end or the peak experience. And then the, the spring and the autumn are kind of like these, these uh, crossing of the threshold parts of the phase. So the spring is like, uh, you know, that seed, that plant like crosses the threshold of soils on one side, sky is on the other, and it crosses that. And so we can think of this as like, um, so uh, when babies are born, they're said to, you know, they don't really have an ego yet. Like they're kind of just, uh, they're still very much in the first phase that we talked about. Like they're connected to spirit. They're connected to source. Like they're not really like an ego yet. Their ego hasn't come in. So the, the springtime or the next phase would be like when that ego comes in and you start to separate from spirit, you start to separate from source. So this is like, you start to become an individual. So we can see this in our lives when we're a, a, a young adult or, you know, the rite of passage of like puberty or uh, getting your first period. Um, and so the, or even just like leaving home or, or um, anything that's like separating you from what you've grown out of. And hopefully, you know, in, a, in the healthiest context, those roots are still there. Those roots are still very strongly grounded in spirit, in source. That's like, that's your, still your foundation, even though you're, you know, you're growing out of that. So uh, the springtime is, um, it can be more of like a tender time. So this, you know, for, for a woman in her cycle, this would be like after she's finished bleeding, but before she's fertile. So there's, you know, there's a fertile window in a woman's cycle in which she can, she can, uh, um, receive receive the sperm to yeah, create take a in child the spluge, everybody just suck it right in there yeah yeah Making babies. It's, it's just what happens um we're but, all adults here right <laughs> <laughs> um, so like the springtime is is before we get there so you know there's there's this that yin energy from the first starts to transform into more of a yang energy as we start to have more motivation, have more drive. This is like what we we're kind of talking before, like after that low time, there's like the turning point in which things start to look a little bit brighter. Um, in the moon, this is like once you can start to see the light, it's like a waxing crescent up to like that first quarter moon when it's half illuminated. It's kind of balancing these two polarities. Um, and in the same way autumn does that as well but in the opposite direction so in the autumn you know we're we're transitioning from actually let's not skip over summertime because it'll just we'll just go in order here so following that inner inner spring or outer spring is the summertime so this is like we said before when the plant you know, blooms or bears fruit. Um, this is kind of like that peak experience. We can see this in our lives as um, marriage or having a child or creating something. Anytime, you know, uh, it, it's it's when the self has become in union with the other. 
or union with the world. So this is like the 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 coming together of of two things to kind of create something new. Um, and uh, this is the most I think acceptable and valued point of the cycle in our culture, at least, um, because we we so much value like creating something and actually doing something and having something to show for for who we are, you know, because there's there's actually something that we can give to the world. And um, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I think that there's an imbalance in in terms of like the rest of the phases uh, that we have here. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so moving on then to the, to the fourth phase, which I think probably is even more demonized than like the resting phase or the first phase that we talked about. And that's the autumn. This is like the death and decay. This is like, uh, you know, in a person's life, when they start to get older, when they're no longer fertile, like they go through menopause or andropause for a man, when they start, like their sex drive starts to lower, um, they may not have as much interest in the outer world. And it's because their their self is now starting to make the descent back to unify back with spirit again. So if we think about that seed kind of going back into the soil, and this is really a time where we step more into our power. Um, so the kind of the the archetype that I like to associate with this phase is the magician or the enchantress or someone who's like, they're not really in the world anymore. They've separated out of the world and they're making the descent back into themselves, which is back into source, um, back into, into their own power versus like looking outside of themselves for that. Um, so yeah, this is this is in, in a woman's cycle. Uh, this is like when she's premenstrual. So like this is like the witch. Like if you think of any archetype, that's like the bitch, the witch, uh, one who's not socially acceptable, one who's not welcome in the world, is because she's tapped into this need to release and accept the inevitable death of all that is. <laughs> Damn. So this is like the collie, you <laughs> yeah, know? Shit. <laughs> I, you know, I, I got to brag on my wife because she is not a bitch or a witch ever, actually. I've really got a good one. I will brag on her. Uh, her only thing, and she won't mind me saying this, is that uh, week before she gets uh, clumsy and it's adorable. So we'll be like if we grill outside or something like that and she wants to carry stuff in, I'm like, I'll carry the steaks. You carry the silverware. You know what I mean? So like I, and she drops shit all the time, bumps into stuff all the time. It's adorable. But we both kind of know about it, you know, and we're both she would like be start to pick something up and I'm like, bah, 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 cause I'm tapped into it too. I'm like, Nope, it's, um, <laughs> I got this. And so, uh, but these, these things are, are interesting when you start looking at them deeper. And especially when you start correlating to, like you said, the physiological changes, especially in a woman, uh, to the natural cycles of our world around just, of us, which we can all observe of any degree of, you know, sex or whatever, whether you menstruate or not, you can look around and see these things and then relate and understand them. Uh, so, what role do you think that that plays in your spirituality? Because whenever you talked about the yin-yang and what I thought about at this moment was kind of a horizontal line where the yin-yang was split between the two and your life on this earth, on this side of the dirt, you know, consciousness or consciousness in this 3D reality is kind of that side of it. And then the death is the other side of it. And maybe that your spirit goes through that ebb and flow and that opening and swelling in peaks and valleys in this life as well. It's like, you've always got a lot of spirit. 
But when you first get here, maybe it ramps up in small ways to where, and spirit might in that way mean the essence that is the most you, that is the most reason why you came here, depending on what you believe, right? But if that's the case, then whenever you slowly decay to die, it's, it does. You kind of peek out and it flowers out and then it slowly decays and dies. And maybe in the spirit world, you go through something similar on the other side, some sort of process of either processing this life and like getting ready for the next one or whatever, right? I mean, it might be that literal. We might be able to, um, like I said earlier, we might anthropomorphize this out to the heavens as well and kind of relate this to things that we don't understand. You know, it might be a good model for it, right? And at least it helps us in some way. What's your favorite part about this reality? So what I find most interesting, and this is when I do my one-on-one work with women, uh, how I tie this into, like how I like to think about it is like, this is your own, this is a map to explore your own unique spiritual path and how that kind of unfolds is like, I I totally uh, dig what you're saying about like, you know, there's this greater cycle of like your life being in that young. And then like, you know, that was you, it was inspired by what you said. It was just the vision I had. I've never thought of it before what you were talking about. So what you liked about it was because of you. So thank you. Yeah. I love it. Cause like, you know, being in that underworld, you know, there's, there's things going on down there that, you know, obviously we, we can't know where we're up here. Maybe, maybe we can, if we get like glimpses or special powers or something. Um, but what I like to explore in my one-on-one work is what, what I like to explore is these archetypes that happen as we, as we explore. And I, I mentioned them as I went through each of the phases. So like we can start to greet these archetypes that live within us on a monthly basis. And that's, that's really a lot when you start off. So for example, uh, I've, I've just finished menstruating and uh, um, I'm in my inner spring of my cycle. I start to notice that there's some issues that might be coming up of when I was a teenager. So um, the archetypes will come up in a cyclical way as well for us to kind of greet any unresolved traumas or issues that are holding us back from our own self-actualization and kind of evolving in our in our spiritual, spiritual journey. So, um, you know, or in ovulation, you might notice like a, a woman might feel cramping during ovulation or at a time when she's supposed to be feeling really outgoing and engaged in the world and energized and motivated, she might withdraw and she might have cramping during ovulation when, you know, she, uh, typically that would not happen. Um, and you might dig a little deeper and there's some, some trauma with either her own birth experience or um, birth experiences, experiences that she's had giving birth or even relationship trauma, all this can come up. So when we start to understand these four phases, we start to see these patterns emerge in how in what comes up for us on a monthly basis or even seasonally. So it doesn't even have to be your, your menstrual cycle. And you, you don't have, I'm just using the menstrual cycle because that's what I do. But, um, you know, you can think about, you can start to track your own patterns in regards to the moon so that you have something to relate it to. So if you start to just track what phase the moon is in, start to track, oh, I'm thinking about this thing that happened in my life again, just like write it down and and have something there as a as a, a reference point so that if it comes up again, you can be like, oh shit, on the full moon, this always comes up. Or 
Um, it can be seasonally too. So like every summer I, whatever, like something comes up and it's a, it's a something from my past. And I really, um, and, and we were talking about this earlier, like this ego drama that's kind of outplaying. And, and I think there's an element of like, we do have to kind of look at those things, um, especially with things that happened in the past to integrate that, you know, like integrating the shadow is really important uh, when we are trying to move forward in our life or trying to um, kind of evolve or spiral forwards in life. Um, so that's kind of how I use a cyclical understanding to tap into my spirituality because it it shows me where I'm still like uh, hung up or what maybe still needs to be addressed. Um, but again, it's also tied into this place of just accepting myself more because it's not like it comes up and I'm like, Oh shit. Like I still have to solve this. It's like, wow. Okay. Like, you know, I'm in a different place now and um, I've grown and I've evolved and now's the time to kind of revisit these things in a way that, that might be helpful uh, for myself or for other people in my life as well. You know, there's this idea, uh, Stephen Pressfield wrote a book, and I've mentioned it a thousand times on the show. Guys, just read the damn book already. Uh, it's called The War of Art, uh, Stephen Pressfield. And he uh, gives a name to these things that are adversaries, adversaries that come up whenever you embark on these different journeys, right? But they're very predictable. And, and in this way, whenever he identifies it, what he's done is he's identified something, and it takes the sting out of it. It's just like, oh, you're the resistance, fuck off resistance, and off it fucks. It's crazy, because you can recognize this. And this is where your power comes in to be able to, like you said, just, okay, well, there it is. You know, you passively observe it, and then eventually it just fucks off, because it doesn't negatively need to present itself to you anymore, because it's not a lesson you need to learn anymore. I think you're only presented with the lessons that you need to learn at the time, but you will be, it, it's almost like a nostalgia. You kind of get reminded by by changes in, in weather, right? Because they are, they are cyclical, but they're kind of from a human perspective. I mean, a year is a decent amount of time, you know, and you get four of those. So it's kind of, it marks these longer periods of time from our perspective, probably. But um, it, it's then when you, like you said, the different things trigger these different emotions or these different memories that pop up for you to kind of deal with again. And the ayahuasca uh, thing is very interesting. I can't go an episode without mentioning that because you said the word integration because Carlos Tanner from the um, ayahuasca foundation was on recently. And that's exactly what he talked about was integrating your past memories with a new light or a new vision with the aid of ayahuasca. And so even this tool in being able to address, recognize, and alter patterns in your life that are destructive, that no longer serve you from a spiritual perspective, then these are great ways for you to be able to analyze, realize, and move on. You know, you just, okay, cool, resistance, fuck off. Um, and there was something that you said in there about, damn it, it was so cool, and now I lost it. Uh, just d because you're badass, like you've said so many damn cool shit. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Anyway, it, it had to do with cycles and it was brilliant because you're brilliant and it was great. So anyway. Well, thank you. Um, I, I was going to say something too here, and I think it had to do with um, this, this understanding of like, the more we understand this cycle, the more, you know, I think for the first few years that I was into this understanding, I almost felt like, I became trapped by the boundaries that I was placing over what the cycle is. And so, but I think that um, 
like I'm starting to feel like, oh God, why do I have to go through this every month? Or, or why, why does it have to be like this? And I think the more kind of awareness that we bring to cycles and understanding what they are and, and the different phases of them and recognizing where we are in, in all these different, um, in all these different contexts, both internal and outside of ourselves, is that we can transcend it that we don't have to feel stuck in um, in repeating this over and over and over again. Uh, but I think there's like, that's part of the journey too. Like that's part of that like trickster probably of like getting uh, really, really deep in your patterns and really, really deep in, in your triggers or traumas and, and things that come up um, because that is that like adversary that, that comes to, to greet you so that you can, you can slay the dragon, so to speak. Um, but you have to have that kind of experience first in order to, in order to do that, there has to be a dragon in order for you to defeat it. It's crazy. You said that it's something I'm not going to say on air, but I will tell you why that's interesting later. Um, you know, the way that I like to reference this is like a river, right? And all along that river is the, you know, this is the flow of time, right? And the more direct you are and purposeful you are, and if you keep flowing, you get to see more, right? But along that river, there are little whirlpools along the side that are really cool. They're warm. There's uh, shit to do over there. You can get caught in this area. It's nice. You know, it's stable. The current's easy. Uh, and you can get really, really comfortable there. There's other people hanging out in there too that have figured this whirlpool out and they're like dude this is great uh, sometimes you might want to move to the European whirlpool and then you get in the river you kind of have a turbulent time you move a little bit and then now you're in this other whirlpool that we call Europe and now you live there for a little while right but these stable conditions can exist and it's all just a preference like it's nothing good or bad and that's what we're talking about here it's just an observation so if you want to get caught up in one of those whirlpools absolutely do it if you want to jump back in the river yeah the current's a little turbulent every now and then and yeah you know it's not as stable and predictable but damn is it cool it's an awesome ride and you get to see a whole lot more so the even even thinking of life in terms of these cycles you know where it's like this long continuation of thing and then it's over you know and i get tripped out by like the quantum immortality type thing do you ever think about that kind of shit yeah i mean um i i used to be much more uh engaged in exploring like quantum thinking quantum consciousness, but it's been a while. So I, I would love to hear like what you have to say. I don't know if this is the right space for that, but, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, it, it just has to do with like cycles. So I think about like the possibilities a lot. It's none of this shit you could probably prove from this perspective and that's okay. I'm fine with it. But what I, what I think about a lot is, is like, let's say you die and that light at the end of the tunnel or whatever that people report after they die is just like you coming out of a vagina and not even a, just a vagina, your mom's vagina again. And like you come through this life all the time. And maybe that's what being an infinite being is, is instead of thinking of it like you're living an infinite number of lives in an infinite number of ways is the idea. And if time doesn't exist, then we think of those things visually as like being a stretched out a shitload of use existing in this time. But what if that's not the case? What if time doesn't exist because it's on a constant loop and all of it is happening, but it happens constantly. So when you do die from the, from this perspective in whatever life or consciousness state you're in, then maybe you're just hopping back into this same life. And the only thing that's different is the tiny little adjustments and preference that you make along the way, which alter your course, thus the infinite nature of reality. Right. 
Um, but if you're talking about quantum immortality, that one I dig because that says that you never die, right? So in this life, in this world, you do get you know splattered by a bus or your parachute didn't open or you got bit by a rattlesnake or something. But whenever that body dies, this avatar, you just continue on either in the same life where you didn't get bit by the snake or your parachute did open and then you just keep living it, which would kind of nod to uh, like deja vu or... You know, these cool ideas when you get really deep down the rabbit hole. But quantum immortality, I dig just simply because it just means you continue on forever in whatever state. Maybe you wake up in a Arcturian's body. You know, maybe you wake up and now you're an octopus on Europa, something like that. Just whatever the fuck you want, I think. But it's all possible. And that's like the cyclical nature of things like that. How it applies here would be that mind fuck of that you just constantly live this life over and over again, like some weird Groundhog Day. Like maybe Groundhog Day was the answer to everything. Maybe that's really what's going on, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be down for it. I, I mean, I love to explore. I love to explore those like thought experiments for sure. They're really fun. That's it. What's the craziest one that you think? Like, what's the nuttiest thing that you've considered about what this reality operates in or any idea that you got? Well, as as you were talking, it reminded me, I don't know if this is like the craziest one, but this one just came to mind. Um, and it was it was an idea. And I don't even know if I can verbalize what it was but it was it was with deja vu and how when we die um something about like oh oh this is what it is it wasn't about deja vu it was about synchronicity so every time we have a synchronicity it's ourselves like speaking to us from from the future from like the moment of death so at the moment of death we go back in time and we plant all of these synchronicities that uh kind of confirm that we're on the right path or confirm uh, which direction to go. Oh, like breadcrumbs or indicators. See, and I've had this idea too, that you are your spirit guides, that it's just you from the future. It's not other entities like angels and shit. It's just you. I love and that. I, I feel the same way. Like I, I've, I much prefer to believe that like we're everything versus like there's all these separate things. Like I always think that way when when someone's like, oh, I'm the reincarnation of Marie Antoinette or something like that. It's like, well, we all are. Or maybe there's like maybe there's just like 12 like options, you know, like 12 expressions or 12 different archetypes. And like we all like play around with some of them or all of them or or something like that. But yeah. Anytime someone says that, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I think it's more grand to f say that, like, I can tap into any, not just any famous person, but anyone at any time and experience everything that they went through. And it's within me, too. Yeah, it's like the ultimate empathy. It's like what the Matrix does, where the Smiths can tap into whoever they want. And then, well, they consume and take over, which would be the metaphor, right? But um, you, from your perspective, you do more of like a being John Malkovich kind of thing? Yeah. yeah okay, sure. that I dig. That's cool. Because then you're just the observer, right? But then you're tapped into like the feelings. It's like, yeah, like I said, the ultimate empath thing. That's that's cool as shit. That would be a lot of fun. And and yeah, at a deep level, I think that that is probably what happens when you look at the model from from a really as if you could throw your head as far out as you can. Yeah, if we're all one, then you're all that's here. You're it, you know, and, and that's honestly my favorite perspective. It's also kind of the shittiest one seeing what we do to ourselves everywhere but uh it's an interesting one that there's the possibilities of people like you out there and that's that's cool you know i like that yeah you're same. one of my favorite parts of ourself 
So thanks a lot. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I, appre I appreciate the, uh, the, the conversation as well, because, you know, I'm sure, you know, like this, this type of conversation is not as, as easily found as we might make it appear to be since you and I are both here having it. Um, but yes, well, you, you should stop by more often. You're welcome anytime. And we're going to do, we're going to do some cool shit. I know I keep threatening to do these panels and stuff like that, but I really do have this stuff, but putting these things together and I'd love to invite you to one. You are awesome. Like I already know, uh, Amy Blair is going to love the shit out of you. Have you ever talked to her? Well, she was on the, uh, union of the unwanted. Um, and I totally dig what she had to say for sure. I mean, I, I know Mike told me that, uh, that I would really like her. So, um, I haven't really listened to anything of hers, but I, I would, I'm going to do that. So. I'm, I'm going to hook you you two up. I just talked to her about uh, 30 minutes before we started doing this. I just released this episode, and this won't come out for a couple of weeks, but I just released this episode where um, it was about the end of the world. I don't know if you saw that, but any, anyway, Amy and I have been talking a lot about it. We're going to do a part two. And so anyway, um, it's it's really interesting. You would love Amy. Like you've got to come by and have these conversations with us more because we're always doing shit like this over here. So you are welcome any damn time. Um, so let me ask you one more question and then we'll wrap here, okay? Um, okay. let's say that there is this great reset of this new world or whatever, and you have the chance to, they come to you and they say, okay, Jenny Rivers, you're the only one that can do this. You have one wish to change anything on the planet that you want. We're going to scrap this one and we're going to move forward. Kind of like in, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? You get the, you, the whole new planet, right? So what would be one thing that you would either implement or change? Hmm. Well, I'll stay on topic here and say that I, I would encourage a synchronization with um, our inner and outer cycles. So uh, what this would look like, uh, I think, you know, there's a, there's a process that would need to be involved and anyone can do this now. We don't have to wait for the permission slip from, from the powers that be um, is, is just start to notice, start to notice your own inner cycles. Um, this can be as simple as just like, doing a daily check-in. How do I feel today? Am I in more of like a yang doing energy today or I'm in more of like a yin receiving? And no judgment, like just acknowledge where you're at and recognize that you're in one stage of the cycle right now. And they're all so equally important uh, to, to the other ones. And I think that, you know, there can be times where we're maybe out of balance, like we're, we're staying in that not doing state, maybe in like in a more depressed state, or we're staying in that like constantly producing like manic, I have to work constantly and produce and all of that. So just recognizing like, am I stuck in one or the other, or does there seem to be an ebb and a flow? And if there is an ebb and a flow, that's, that's good. That's an indication that you're, you're cycling and that you're probably um, starting to synchronize with, with some greater cycles. Um, and I'll give some other like little, uh, things that I would like to see more of in the world. And one that's been fascinating me recently is supporting these, uh, biofeedback loops that we have with our environment. And, uh, one way to do that, that's really simple. And this is the other thing too, with, with how to harmonize and how to synchronize with cycles is that they're going to be free. They're going to be accessible to everyone. You don't need any special equipment. It's just, you just do it. And, and I love that about, about this work. Um, so one of the things that I've been experimenting and playing with is uh, peeing on the earth. Okay. Um, I do that putting, all the time. 
Yeah. Um, Because if you think about it, like, you know, the earth is receiving your DNA when you do that. And it's like alchemizing it and like changing itself to like tap into who you are and it starts to understand you and you start to understand it and you become more like enmeshed with it. So as much as you can, like, you know, doing that, peeing outside, um, walking barefoot on the earth, like you said, um, you know, if you're a woman, put your menstrual blood, like don't put your menstrual blood in the toilet, just put it outside or put it in, in a potted plant, like dilute it with water. And you can do that. Like if you don't have an outdoor space, you can dilute a little bit of your pee too. just collect a little bit of your pee in a, in a cup pour it in when you water your houseplants and just see what do you, what you start to notice. And, and I think what this is doing is synchronizing us with these greater cycles. Um, I'm, I'm lucky to be with Michael Wan, where we, we, we look at the sky a lot. We, um, you know, we talk about these things, we sit on a weekly basis and he's created this thing called the starboard. I don't know yes, if you know. It is uh, so okay. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so fucking awesome. And we, we, we call it the synchronizer is because the more we've been doing it for going on three years now, um, where we move every stone kind of represents a planet. And so every week we, at least once a week, we move it and we, at first it's like, you know, we might guess what that means. Like, Oh, the moon's in Gemini. Like, what does that mean? Um, but the more we've done it, the more it's like, it's changing things for us. And we, we start to like look at the sky and actually know what we're seeing versus like having to use some other reference book. Um, and so it's like, it's becoming embodied. Um, and it's, and it's allowing me to feel more connected, to feel like I belong here. And I think like as humans, we often, we don't really feel like we belong. Like we kind of feel a little bit like an animal and a little bit like an alien or maybe a lot of either side of that. Um, But uh, the more that we, you know, we tune our instrument to like join in this like greater symphony is uh, we start to have more wonder in terms of what it is that we're doing here. And it's like a, it's a deep knowing and it's a trust. Um, and that's kind of my hope, I guess, for, for what this new world is going to bring is that we come into harmony with natural world, um, come into harmony with ourselves, stop trying to like control things and fight against what these natural cycles are. And, uh, you know, I think the, I think the amount of power and, and it's not just about power, but, it's a power that exists in harmony. So it's not like power over. It's like, it's a power that is blending with the other powers that are very strong, like weather and and things like that. Um, And I think, like we said before, the possibilities are really endless in terms of what we can create. Um, I think humans are like amazing, amazing creatures. Um, Like if you think about like all these animals and stuff, like it's just, I just love all of it. Um, and I don't know if this is like from me synchronizing with all that, but it just, I, I think it's great. I share your enthusiasm on this because I feel the exact same way. I'm a chronic optimist. I just love everything about everything. I can always find the light in the cycles and that's, that's part of it, right? You need folks like us out here uh, saying it's going to be okay, guys. You know, quit taking it so seriously. Look, this has happened before. We can predict it. Now, what I I, I like back to the uh, seeds and the putting stuff on your plants and things like that. Have you have you heard of those uh, people that will spit on seeds 
and then grow the plants because it's got their DNA in it. And then whatever fruits out of that is suited for them to heal them of whatever the hell they've got problems with. Love it. I have not heard of that, but love it. Yes. Oh, it is awesome. They do this. It's an indigenous practice. I, I'm not knowledgeable enough about it to say, here's where it is. Here's what it's from. But I do know it exists. And I know that it's for that purpose. And it's fascinating. Uh, Jenny Rivers, you are welcome on here any damn time. Thank you so much. This has been so great. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. You're a wonderful host. So I appreciate it. Truly, truly grateful. We will do it again. You are Soul Tribe. You're welcome back anytime. Please give Michael a massive hug for me and a high five as well uh, for the guy who still high fives. But um, thanks again. Please come back. All right. Thanks. I will. Well, that was amazing. Uh, Massive thanks to Jenny for coming out and hanging out with us on the show. She will definitely be back, guys. She is far too fascinating not to have back on for another amazing conversation. She nailed it with that. Uh, We don't get to have conversations with that every day. I wish that for everybody. I hope everybody has conversations like this in their world with someone like her. She's great. I think everybody should know a Jenny Rivers. That's wonderful. Uh, so check out the show notes, guys, in the show description down there for all the ways to find her and us. If you want to find expandingrealitypodcast.com, it is linked in the show notes to expand your experience with us here on the show. If you want to uh, donate to Patreon, show some love. That's value for value system. If you find the show valuable and, you, and you're able, go for it. Uh, it's down there. It's linked on the website as well as Rockfin, uh, YouTube. The video will be up over on YouTube and on our website as well. Uh, also, we have t-shirts, merch, all that kind of good stuff. So go check that down in the show notes. And the music that you're hearing, guys, is by a good friend of mine, Vinny the Saint. Check him out as well. Phenomenal musician. He is so cool. So check him out down in the show notes also, guys. I Go out into your week this week and look at this beautiful place. Start noticing some cycles around you. I think that's a very participatory way to engage in your environment is do something actionable like note these different cycles around you. I think that's wonderful. So uh, while you're doing that, though, uh, get out of the left-hand lane, of course. Uh, buy somebody in line around you a coffee or a meal or a bottle of water. Something small. doesn't have to be crazy, but it makes a crazy impact on everybody around you. That's how you shift somebody's shitty day cycle into something amazing by doing something small like that. It's it, That's all it takes, and it's incredible. Uh, be nice to every animal, entity, creature, everybody that you come across. Uh, of course, pick up a piece of litter. Don't be a piece of shit. And then uh, above all, and anything else, guys, go out into this beautiful place, whatever the fuck this thing is, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>